0: You know, today we're continuing the sermon series we started several weeks ago on the I Am Sayings of John around the theme, I Am Yours. Of course, that's a prayer in essence to God. I Am Yours. And you've been hearing some great messages from different preachers on these different I Am Sayings of John. Today we're going to be looking at, I Am the Bread of Life. Now, the Gospel of John, we need to know, accentuates Jesus addressing life. Uh, The Disciple Bible Study, the old Bible study that was produced years ago, uh, said that sometimes the Gospel of John could be called the Gospel of Life because John is having Jesus mentioned so many times reference to life. A few weeks ago, we looked at uh, I am the good shepherd and I am the gate, which is kind of the one-two punch of saying the same thing. But, but the preceding verse to all of that was, I have come that you may have what? Life. And have life more abundantly. So today we're looking at a, a passage. In a few weeks we'll or, be looking at Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life with the question, do you believe this? But today the precursor to uh, that resurrection and life scripture is the I am saying, I am the bread of life. Now we're going to be looking at uh, excerpts from the entire 6th chapter of John's Gospel, but the 6th chapter of John's Gospel could be titled The Bread Basket of the Gospel because over and over Jesus is talking about bread in reference to life. Now, we need to know something else about all of the I am sayings of John. They all have a context. They come to us not just out of the blue, Jesus just saying something, but they have a a context in a larger teaching or in a larger experience. And today, the sixth chapter um, is really that experience of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I'll just refresh your memory. We're not going to look at the the text exactly, um, this portion of it. But we have Philip who's always bringing people to Jesus and he he is asked by Jesus about this um, where they're going to find food. And and a young boy is brought to Jesus and the young boy has two fish and five barley loaves. And and we know the story how Jesus fed the 5,000 with the example of blessing the two fish and barley loaves. One of the great miracles of the Bible. So the bread that God is, in the 33rd verse, we have Jesus saying, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's talking about himself. And then in the 41st verse of this text, he says, I am the bread of life come down from heaven. So he's making it very clear. And then he says in the 50th verse, here is the bread that comes down from heaven. Which a man, which which a man may eat and not die. Now we need to reference the fact that in the first chapter of John's Gospel we talk about not um, not a beautiful nativity scene, but we talk about Jesus saying, you know, I have come that you may into the world, the, the 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 flesh. I have become flesh. I've come down from heaven. The the Father and I are one since the beginning of creation. We know all of that in the first. Well, here we have it again. Jesus says it over and over again. I've come down from heaven. I've come down from heaven. I've come down from heaven. The bread of life. Now, let's talk just a little bit about bread. Because I think, in essence, Jesus is saying, Uh, two things, or he's calling attention to two aspects. So this is a little teaching moment. First, the New Testament speaks about bread in the sense of a loaf of bread. We've already talked about how Jesus took five barley loaves and the two fish and fed the multitudes. What we need to know is that poor people in that day Uh, knew that a loaf was not a loaf that we would think of today uh, a, a piece of bread that you would slice into pieces but a loaf was about the size of a tortilla in fact a tortilla would be a loaf in Jesus' day and the poor people often found themselves grinding different kinds of grains or food substance to make what was called bread and a barley loaf would be the food of a poor person they would also make bread out of ground beans or peas or, or, um, or oats or lentils or even acorns to make this loaf of bread. And so what I want us to recognize is that when Jesus is talking about a loaf of bread, he's talking about bread that has, has taken grain and has, has beaten that grain down into a new substance added with water would make a loaf. And in the Lord's Supper, which we'll celebrate at the end of this service today, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians that we say over and over and over again, the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, when he would be beaten down, when his body would be crushed, he gave thanks. And he broke the loaf. Didn't slice it. And gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my broken body given for you. And the second way that the New Testament talks about bread is in a broader sense. Bread is kind of the staple or is the example of what is food. So when Jesus is talking about, I am the bread of life, it's not just that beaten down grain that he's talking about that is so symbolic of his own death, but he's also talking about how I am the food of life. And and as we know, we can't live without food. Food is essential to life. It's essential to our physical bodies. And when Jesus is making reference to himself being the bread or being the food, He is saying, I am essential to your spiritual bodies. A relationship with me is essential to your spiritual well-being. So Jesus calls himself in this 6th chapter, in the 32nd verse, the true bread. And then in the 33rd verse, the bread of God. And then in the 35th and the 48th verse, the bread of life. And then in the 41st verse, the bread that came down from heaven. And then in the 51st verse, the living bread. So when Jesus does this, he answers three vital questions that we're going to be looking at this morning. And the first question that he really does answer for us, and I want us to get real clear about it this morning, when he said, I am the bread of life, he's talking about who he is. The question is, who is Jesus? Who is the living bread? So I think in this case of the text today and in each case of the I am sayings of John, when Jesus says, I am, it causes us to think about how when Moses was bold enough to ask the God who was speaking to him, Who he was, what he could tell the people about who you are, God speaking to me. And God said what? I am that I am. You tell them, I am has sent you. So when Jesus says, I am, it's that reference back, that connection back to who he is, is in essence, God. I am. And who is God? God is the bread of life. We're going to look at the text this morning from John, the 6th um, the chapter, and we're going to be looking at the 25th through the 27th verses. I'm going to read it for us this morning. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw um, miracles or signs I performed but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. That's why you're here, because you had had refreshments. (laughs) Do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So in short, Jesus is telling them and us not to follow him short-sightedly. To follow him with our eyes wide open, knowing exactly who we are following. And who it is that we call the bread of life. Now I want us to turn to these next verses, the 28th through the 35th. And that's going to be enough of the direct reading of this word this morning. But I want us to get get these words as we answer this first question. Who does Jesus say he is? Who is the bread of life? So this next text, beginning with the 28th verse. Then they asked him, what must we do... Uh, the, the works of, that God requires. What must we do? What work must we do? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this. You believe in the one who he has sent. That's it. That's the work. Believe in the one who he has sent. And our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it was written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. So don't look at Moses. This is about God. This is about who God has sent. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What a powerful text. In short, they wanted to know how they could work to earn the bread. I think this is very important that we get this clear. Just as it was very important for them to be clear. They were wanting to know, what must we do? In other other words, what laws must we keep? What must we do to earn it? And Jesus said, you don't do any work but believe. That's, That's the only work that is required of you. I have come down from heaven not to do my will, Jesus said, but to do the will of him who sent me. That's in verse 38. So I want us to get this very clear this morning about who Jesus is and who he is as the bread of life and how that coincides with the way Jesus keeps God's will. Later on in the story, we read that excerpt about Gethsemane, how Jesus in agony is praying about his upcoming um, uh, life that would lead to a cross. It's on that Thursday night before the Friday when he's praying so so intently that the, the sweat's like great drops of blood, the scripture says. But we remember how he concludes that prayer. Not my will, but your will be done. Now friends, over and over and over again, Jesus is not only the example of God, but he's the example to us of how we live in relationship with God. And how we live in relationship with God is to try to be right in keeping with God's will. To want to be about the things that God would will for us. We we know in part what that will is through the scripture. But we also know in part through our prayer life. And through what the Holy Spirit tells us about God's will. Just as we saw in Jesus how he was praying. And he said, but not my will but your will be done. And let me tell you, he could pray that prayer knowing that he could trust God because God always wills the very best for us. And you might say, well, that led to his crucifixion. It led to his death. That was God's decision because God was, in fact, Jesus. And he was putting his human side, his human will aside so that he could accept his godly um, uh, person And to do what we couldn't do for ourselves and through his sacrifice could make us one with the Father. But we also know that that crucifixion, that Friday, is not the end of the story. That God's will was that Jesus, not not that he would die, but that he he would die and be raised from the dead. So that we would know that we can trust God's will. Because God's will always leads us to that heavenly, eternal experience. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? We'll talk about that in a few weeks. Now, the second question this morning is, how do we get this living bread? If we're real clear that, yeah, Stan, I believe this morning. I'm here. I'm a Christian. I could be a lot of other places. But I'm here at Lover's Lane this morning because I, I really do believe that Jesus is the bread of life. I mean, it's not that I haven't had doubts. I have from time to time. But I'm here because push come to shove. That's where I am. I believe Jesus is the, is the living God. So the second question is, how do we get this living bread? And the answer today from Scripture is, if anyone eats this bread, he or she will live forever. Now we've seen that it's not by our works. Jesus put that to rest. It's it's by your belief. It's by your faith. It's not by what you do. It's not how you earn it because Jesus had already paid the price on the cross us therefore all we must do is receive by faith the person of Jesus the living bread we say Lord Jesus I take you to myself that I may live truly live live abundantly and live forever in you now this morning I want to talk briefly about how we make this decision how we make this decision there are three elements of personality that are involved in any faith decision. They are the intellect, the emotion, and the will. Now, the same three elements are also found in falling in love. So I want to kind of make this a little bit romantic in order for us to really get the gist of how we make faith decisions. I mean, falling in love that leads to a relationship and marriage is really a faith decision, amen? It is. So here's how it happens I think it's been a long time since this happened to me but it went through these stages we first are emotionally connected to another and in being emotionally connected we we meet someone and that someone we might say to ourselves intellectually well that someone might be just the one we might get married this is starting to, um, to, to, to feel good in my head and then it shifts Before we hear the wedding chimes going, it shifts to an emotion, right? And an emotional connection that raises questions. Are we really well matched? And then we spend more time together thinking through, are we really well matched? And then these feelings start to take over. And and we start really connecting to this person. and, And it starts feeling like love. But before we can really move to the day of the big plan, our will kicks in and says, wait just a minute, hold on. It's one thing to think this through. It's another thing for it all to feel right. But the big question is the question of the will. And I'm not settled on this idea yet. I'm really ready to give up my freedoms. That's what I've got to decide. Am I really ready to start a new life, and, and now the old life of just me is gone, and now it's me and, and my significant other. And, and am, I, am I really ready to make the changes that it's going to take in order for me to be a married person, to live in that relationship? Isn't that kind of the way love trans, um, transcends? It, 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 it transcends our intellect and our our, our emotion, and, and it comes to root ultimately in decisions that we have to make based on our will. Such is the example of faith. You know, we may be here this morning, as I said earlier, and we may say, hey, look, I'm here because I really do believe, I really do believe And at times I'm moved in a Thrive worship service to where I feel so close to God. It is an emotional thing. I know that I have to be here over and over again because there is something that tugs on my heart when I'm here. When Pastor Reagan or Pastor Scott or Pastor Kennan are preaching, sometimes it's as if they're saying exactly what I need to hear. I even feel tears welling up in my eyes. But the real question is your will. Will? What you think about God, what you feel about Christ, does it translate into a willingness to change the direction of your life, to start putting the the ways of God as the ways of life that drive your life, your thinking, your heart, your activities to love God and to love neighbor? That's a big question. And finally, what benefits do we gain from receiving this living bread? Jesus said, if anyone eats of this bread, he or she will live forever. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. In in other words, this is not talking about some sort of cannibalistic experience. This is talking symbolically about how we take in and take on who is Christ. How he transforms us by our being completely and totally sold out to him. And the first benefit that Jesus brings to the table is that you will live, that you will have abundant life here, and that abundant life here is the beginning of what is eternal life. You know, there was a preacher a few years ago named W.B. Henson, and this preacher um, was well known in his day for his preaching skills, but... um, he's really famous for one statement that he made upon um, hearing about his impending death, a statement that he made about his accepting of who Jesus was as the bread of life, the resurrection and the life. The preacher went to the doctor and the doctor told him that he had an illness that he would not recover from and that his death was in essence imminent. He gave him a period of weeks that he could expect to live. And what Henson wrote that lives on to this day is these words. I walked outside my home in Oregon, and I looked across the mountains over the river and the stately redwood trees. Then as evening fell, I looked up into the great sky where God was lighting his lamps, the stars... And in my imagination, I said to each of them, I may not see you many more times, mountains, but I shall be standing when you are reduced to dust. River, I shall be running when you no longer rush toward the sea. And mighty redwoods, I will stand taller than you one day for one day you shall topple and I shall be standing tall. And stars, I shall be bright when you shine no more. W.B. Henson understood that death is is the end neither of this life nor the beginning of a new life. It is merely a milestone in eternal life. See, I I think it's real important for us to understand that eternal life is not just a promise of what happens when our life here is done. It's that for sure. But eternal life is life that that, that starts when we make that willing uh, acceptance of who Jesus is as the bread of life that feeds our souls. That takes us forward through this life no matter what this life may um, uh, deal us. And and it will, will, will bring us to that place that one day we will die. But that will be but a milestone of the continuation of eternal life. That Pastor Henson spoke so eloquently about. All the riches and all of the resources of everlasting life are present now. And when we eat the living bread, we shall never again be out of the presence of God. You know, today is Holy Communion, and we're about to receive Holy Communion. We're about to again uh, be reminded of the Scripture where Jesus says in that sixth chapter, the breadbasket chapter of John's Gospel, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains with me and I in him. Friends, I want to challenge us this morning, each and every one of us. That as we come to the Lord's table today, we'll come not only to participate in a ritual that we believe in, That maybe sometimes makes us feel good. But that we will be in essence saying that we will to be like Christ. To
1: love like Christ.
0: And to be that one who says yes to life as Christ said yes to life. Serving God in the way that we love God and love our neighbor. I hope as you take the bread today, it is as if you're taking into your body the very essence of who Jesus is. His teachings, the sacrifice that he made for you, and the promise that he has for all of us of eternal life that that, that is to be experienced in this life abundantly. And one day in a perfect way, in a life that we have yet to see, I love that
1: old hymn. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, Feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up, and make me whole. There's
0: one verse that I don't remember ever singing. So, my
1: friend, if the things this world gave you leave hungers that want, Pass away. My blessed Lord will come and save you if you kneel to Him and humbly pray. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more, fill my cup, fill it up, and make me whole, amen.